Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome back to the House of Pod. My name is Kaveh Hoda. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Welcome to our fun little humor-adjacent medical podcast that covers the intersections of public health and, I don't know, social justice and pop culture and whatever else we want to talk about. Today, I have two people joining me Them, I'm very happy to be speaking to. First, return co-host, my my little buddy, Alan Liu. Alan, welcome back to the show. I'm back. Thank you for having me back again. I'm glad I didn't totally screw it up the first time that you would invite me back again to be able to... I would, I would have you on all the time if your brother let me. But as we both know, <laughs> your brother rate limits how much time I get to spend with you because he knows that I will steal you away from him and officially adopt you as my little brother. <laughs> you won't let that happen. One day. We'll, One we'll day. make it happen. Oh. One day, inshallah. That, that'll get me on a list somewhere. Okay. Joining us today, we have a special guest. We have Christopher Chavez, former business owner. And he. I, I'm guessing your life took some unexpected turns. Um, and you were convicted of white-collar crime. You spent five years in prison. Now, he's out and he's back home with his family. He has a TikTok account called Felon Focus. And it's about the ins and outs of life in jail and prison, the differences between the two, a lot of the detailed questions that people have about what life in prison is like, and also the transition past that. We're really excited to talk to him today about some of those questions that we have about how, you know, what that experience is like, how someone might maintain both their physical and mental health during that time, and, and a lot more. So, uh, Christopher, hey, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. The, we had to get some of the more salacious questions out of the way when when you were going to prison can you talk to us a little bit about like what was going through your mind when you were convicted and you heard your prison sentence what was what was happening at that time well i, I mean so my wife first of all was seven months pregnant when she was sitting behind me and the uh the the jury released their verdict so her blood-curdling wail uh, will be forever burned into my mind. And uh, so I guess what was going through my mind is I cannot believe that, that, that this is happening, number one. And number two, what's going to happen to my family? Um, I, I couldn't believe that they returned a guilty verdict to begin with. I did not expect it. I did not expect to be found guilty at trial. And we had a, an excellent legal team. Um, we had the facts on our side, which I came to learn didn't uh, matter as much as I thought they did. Um, and um, and the, the the really terrible part was after my my wife came back into the courtroom, 
the judge uh, was deciding on when I would be sentenced and happened to say my wife's due date for the baby would be my sentencing date. So mm. she wailed again and uh, had to leave the room. So, I mean, just a complete nightmare. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's a Man. long way of saying that it's it was my personal hell. Oh. So. You know, it's part of the reason I wanted to do this is, you know, I suspect your background is a, a lot like the background of a lot of our listeners. Um, you know, we have a lot of like medical professionals or people who are interested in medicine and people who would never imagine that this sort of thing would be their, their future. And there's always like this fear that, you know, people have in the back of their mind about, about it. We watch like movies about jail the same way we'd watch a horror film just to like for that, almost that thrill of like, Oh my God, the terror of it. What fears did you have of uh, jail and prison that were, that were, not, I wouldn't say unfounded, but maybe not as realistic or concern or realistic concern as it turned out to be. And what things were there where you were like surprised about how afraid you were was what, yeah. you know what I mean? Like what were the fears that were, that were overblown and what were the fears that you didn't even think of until you were there? Yeah. So, so of course everybody always up until the point that I was found guilty, I thought there's no way that I'm going to be going to prison. And then waiting for sentencing. Um, I was out on bond for that. So I was out for five more months kind of thinking, well, it's possible that I'll go to, to prison, but I, I just had this denial. Uh, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't believe it because of course this could never, ever happen. So I guess when I finally came to the realization that that could happen, um, it's the same fear that all of us would have. Um, we all think that we're going to get raped every single night for for the duration of our of our stay um so that was that was unfounded i never had any issues with any of that um i didn't really hear about those types of issues that regularly um which is surprising i mean they're uh as far as getting in physical altercations as far as fights go also i went my whole five years with no with no fights i came close a few times but that's where it comes into how do you handle the situation? Nobody really wants to fight in there. Everybody wants to prove that they uh, that they will fight, right? But nobody nobody really wants to fight um, in prison. But everybody's posturing and puffing their chest out, and and it's it's really a it's really a silly thing. Well, how, well, yeah. How did you navigate those situations? If you don't mind me asking, what were the sure, situations yeah, where so you almost it almost happened? How did you get out of it? Yeah. So, well, first of all, so I'm, I'm six foot three, about 220, right? So I'm on the larger side, which does matter in those cases. But even so, I, I just, um, for example, one gentleman, we had an altercation. We went into a restroom because there are no cameras in the restroom, right? And so he's pacing back and forth, like trying to hype himself up to fight. And I just leaned against the wall and I said, there are a lot of ways that we can handle this. And I can't think of a positive outcome if we handle it the way it looks like we're about to handle it. We can both save face and we came to a mutual agreement and we walked out of there and it worked out great. But you, it just, just if I would have puffed my chest out and, yeah. and, and like I was going to fight, he would have swung at me. So I've been locked in. Yeah, yeah. I put my yeah. hand on my back and just leaned against the wall and it kind of took the air out of his sails. So. If you mind me asking what uh, the altercation was all about to begin with, and why it was a yeah, it's, it's so it, these things are so silly, right? So there are two there are two lunch lines, <laughs> right? Uh, there's there's one if you're on like uh, a special diet. At at the time I was on a I was on a special diet just because you get so sick of the food, and so I I went on kosher diet for a while so I could have some more fresh vegetables, things like that. So that's a, a certain line. One of the correctional officers didn't like people going in that line because that was faster. So he he sent me to the back of the line. So I walked up to the front. He sent me to the back. And then this guy goes and does the exact same thing. He doesn't say anything. And me being fairly new and having my sense of justice, you know, assaulted there, I said, I said, what was that about? Which essentially is me throwing him under the bus right and, right. and snitching which uh, this was right at the beginning of my time i didn't know what i was doing way yeah. over and so that's that's what caused it yeah yeah 
Gotcha. It's so funny, the little things like that. I can little see, I mean, it sounds silly now, but when that's all your life is there at the time, I, could, I mean, what else? Are, I mean, that's everything. You know, I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, what are the social dynamics like? Um, and, and is it kind of what we assume from watching TV? Well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a little more, it's very cliquish. So imagine high school in the wrong part of town, mm -hmm. right? With, with, uh, with weapons and, uh, a lot of face tattoos. It's basically mm -hmm. what it is. Um, people, people tend to find like attracts like, so you have the guys that like to work out and, and, and they really get a lot of value out of that. So they'll, They'll come together and create community, and then you have the guys that that are are uh, dealing drugs and doing drugs in prison. Um, they kind of form their own factions, and sometimes those are are cooperative, and sometimes they're not. And then you have um, uh, you know the people that that seek solace in religion. They will tend to group up and 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 really hang out together. So so it's very cliquish in uh, in prison. What what was your click? I, I like was there a businessman click? Yeah, th there, there was also that. It was a much smaller uh, click. But no, I, I hung out with the guys that worked out. We worked out a lot and we would motivate each other. We'd read books. Um, there are some really, really smart guys and really, really good people that find themselves in that situation. Um, I always used to think that everyone that was in prison was of a certain ilk, <laughs> so to speak. Uh -huh. And... Uh, uh, you, you talk about your your audience as uh, medical professionals and, and aspiring medical professionals. Uh, and my very best friend throughout my years, uh, we came in about two weeks apart and we found ourselves at facilities on and off throughout our time. And he himself was um, an orthopedic uh, pediatric surgeon who got in a car accident and wow. uh, ended up uh, killing a couple people. And he got 13 years for that. He wasn't intoxicated. Um, it was a vehicular homicide, and he took it to uh, to all the way to almost a trial. Took a deal because he was just frightened. Lost his practice. Lost his license. Mm. Um, brilliant, kind, generous man. And uh, so, so just so that everyone knows, it's easy to judge, but you find yourself in these situations, and it, your life can change in just a split second. It's wild. Yeah. That is absolutely terrifying. But along along those lines, like how did your time in, in the prison system change your understanding or maybe even have you reconsider some of your own beliefs or prejudices from like on things like society law from that perspective? Oh, I mean, you uh, when you when you have success at a young age and everything that you touch turns to gold, you start to to uh to believe uh that that you're invincible that you can do anything and and that it's really because of you and your whatever um advantages you have because you've created them yourself you've convinced yourself that you are where you are because you're that great right mm -hmm. and that's definitely who i was and anyone that that didn't get to that level um frankly i did look down on because that's just that's just who I was at the time. I wasn't a bad person, but I think that's a natural thing to strata to stratify uh, yourself within, you know, your surroundings. And so I, we always throughout from my very young twenties, uh, we always had beautiful homes, fun sports cars, you know, uh, wonderful trips. And, and so I just, I, I said, well, you're just not working hard enough or you just, you need to focus. You need to, and there's more to that. Uh, I have such a wonderful community of family and friends around me that I've been able to maintain. And I started out life with that. I started out with with loving parents uh, that 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 had resources. They weren't rich, but we were you know upper middle class, I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, but most importantly, we had love in our household. And I never realized how much that love from my parents and my family enabled me to take risks and allowed me to know that I had a safety net, not so much financially, but, but emotionally, if I were to fall. And that was really true here too. They stuck by me and 
I talk to my parents every single day. I talk to my brother all the time. Uh, my wife and kids, I talk to them all the time. And and so you say, how do you keep, how do you keep your 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 mental strength? It's because we're social animals, and and that community is important. Yeah, in your TikToks, it sounds like you you all you recognize like this privilege that you had. You know that a lot of uh, people that you were in with just didn't have. I mean. Does it, now that you've gone through this, um, do you have a, how has your view on the legal system changed? I still want so badly to believe that it's going to work. And even though it absolutely failed in my case, I know that um, the appeals court did overturn my sentence. They ruled it as illegal. So that was a win, but it didn't overturn my conviction. So the amount of resources and we can get into that if you'd like too. that I've had to invest into this is impossible for almost everyone else. Uh -huh. If I did not have the success as a young man that I had, I had no chance, innocent uh -huh. or not. And the fact that I hired uh, very powerful attorneys, I hired the same legal team that Kobe Bryant hired and I lost. So it's not about that, right? It's, 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 uh, there, there are, there's a way to lose, even if you have everything on your side. Uh -huh, uh, but you had at least the option to fight because of the, right. the background you had. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So how did... Well, actually, let's, let's before I have so many more questions, but I, I have to we have to cover some of the major okay. medical stuff here. Um, you were there um, in prison during sort of the rise of COVID. You were there for for the, the heavy COVID years. What was that? What was that like in prison? So aside from my great grandmother and uh, a, a distant cousin, I had only seen two dead bodies uh, up until that point. Right. So I'm not in the medical profession. That's really common for all of you. But uh, during my time, during those COVID years, I saw three people get carried out on gurneys, covered and dead because of COVID. And what was so disgusting to me was how uh, one of them, they said that he um, he committed suicide because he refused to get up to go to Medline to get his meds, but he couldn't move. This guy couldn't move. And he was, he was actually soiling himself in his bunk, but the official of COVID because he had COVID because of COVID yeah. and he couldn't breathe. He was, he was, uh, he was a little bit over, well, he was a lot overweight and, uh, but he just couldn't make it. His, his celly, his uh, roommate asked to leave the room because he was soiling himself. And then the man died the next day. And, they said, well, he committed suicide because he refused his meds. And that's that. So that went down, not as a not as a death attributable to what it really was. It was it was that. So that that is that is the thing that really upsets me about that. But he wasn't even separated from his celly. He was. Oh, no, no, no. There no, was no. none none of that. There's no like taken to like a medical center or something like that. No, it, it, in fact, during COVID, it was like musical chairs. I had two or three different cellies within a couple of weeks. They just, okay, you didn't test positive, so we're going to move you here. And, and so they just kept moving us all around. 
And I, I personally think they were trying to, to do the herd immunity thing because mm. they were trying to get everybody mixed together. And how do you mix people that are separated from each other, right? You have to actually do room moves. So they, they were moving people in with other people um, for whatever reason. Maybe they were trying. I, I'm being cynical. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that's that, that was how we felt it was. And I, there, there was a time when I got COVID. I got COVID in, uh, in April. We couldn't make phone calls. They didn't allow us to use the phones for two for a two week period. We had to write letters. I I wrote my wife that I that I got sick, and I remember for two days I got hit really hard with it. I was laying in bed with labored breathing, and all I wanted was a window to be opened. I was like, "Please, can someone open a window?" Because we could. I mean, I couldn't breathe. Yeah, I couldn't get my breath. I mean, I I was focusing on just breathing through. And just hoping that I could continue to do that through the night at the worst of it. It was, it was terrible. Yeah. And all that time you had uh, a roommate or a bunkmate as well. It, it feels, it feels like a little bit of the, um, it's kind of like the opposite of social distancing. It's like encouraging <laughs> everyone to mingle around. It's like, all right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. 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 You're, you're sleeping two feet from, uh, from, a in my case, from a murderer and nice guy though, surprisingly, <laughs> really, really a nice guy. But, uh, you know, <laughs> not everyone probably agrees with, with, with my assessment. Of, oh, yeah. I have a feeling there's I, probably at least one person who is strongly disagree with you. In his case, there were two. But, yes. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, were masks even an option? Did anyone use them? Were guards using them? Were, were people that were in prison, were inmates using them? So this, so the, the mask thing became a, a huge point of contention with everyone because they passed out these masks and you were required to wear them at all times when you when you left your cell uh, to go and, and get food or anything. And if you didn't, then they would write you up. And if you get write-ups, it affects your parole and, and all this other stuff. So so it just became another thing that that people felt like was used to like bludgeon us a little bit. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but, uh, but we were happy to have them. I mean, I, I wore my mask. Yeah. For so, the most part, were people there um, thankful to be using masks and to have those or were people just like reluctant to wear them? And they're like, so just just like in normal society at the time, you had people that are that that that's that all oh, masks don't work. And then you had people that 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 would just freak out if anybody wasn't wearing a mask, you know, and would hide yeah. in a room. The thing is, the way that the, the ventilation systems work is the the HVAC system would go from room to room on the same vent. So with with an airborne, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but from what I understand, these uh, uh, the the virus is traveling through these vents from room to room to room, and so you'd have whole whole buildings that would get sick. It was uh, it was it was very it was a very strange thing. That you know, it's interesting. You you're you missed you missed a lot of fun out here uh, regarding COVID um, and the the stuff that the arguments and all the debates, um, but here it 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 really seemed to fall mostly not always but fall upon like party lines it was sort of like political lines it seemed to fall upon who believed in the vaccine who didn't who believed in the masks who didn't was it the same thing there or was it a different dynamic as to the people who didn't want to wear the mask i would i would say it was that and uh, along age uh, along age so the older people were terrified because right it, everybody's well aware of of uh of access to care right and what they can do for you so you know th there was I, i'm going to mispronounce but the acetaminophen or whatever it's called yeah tylenol acetaminophen yeah tylenol so 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 we we bought we'd buy as much as we could because we because uh canteen uh would run out right mm -hmm. and so you'd have guys that would buy loads of this stuff and then resell it to people that needed it. And, and, you know, most people were cool about it, but then you had some people that were gouging too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Market so, free market. Hey, capitalism yeah. everywhere. Fantastic. On um, a different podcast that, that whole part of it was pretty fun. The whole, you know, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do um, you have access to news in the outside world? Did you know how, how crazy it was getting outside of the, where you were or for sure. So we had we all had uh, had televisions in our um, in our living units, but actually in our cells too. You could buy your own TV. So oh, wow. you know you have these little TVs, and 
you could watch. And that's what we did because we were locked in ourselves for months. And so you're, you're watching, you know, Fox news and then it's a commercial. So you go to CNN and then you're like, Oh, they do a commercial at the same time. So then you switch back and you know, (laughs) all you're doing is just, is just watching TV and trying to do some push-ups and air squats in in your room. Does it really bother you? Like when you would hear people like out here talking about COVID, like, I feel like I'm in prison. Like, yes. did that really piss yeah. you off yeah pre- pre- pretty crazy it, it looked it looked like a horror show i mean with all the stuff that was going on during that time i i i didn't know what kind of a world if i was lucky enough to get out i was gonna come into because i saw i mean people couldn't people couldn't go to their gyms they couldn't go to church i mean it was just it was very strange it yes. was but it was never really i mean it was never that bad we could open a window you know yeah, what i correct. mean Correct. So, Imagine that for for yeah. just a minute. Although there there, there was a period of time here in California where we we're not only dealing with COVID, but then there was these incredible fires everywhere. And then no it was it was that point where like okay, we're stuck. We can't go do fun stuff anymore. And now I can't open the window because the air quality is so bad. That's one of the first. That was the only time I really like was was angry. <laughs> I was like really sure. bummed out when that happened. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> yeah. Um. I forget what I'm going to say. Sorry. Um, I think, yeah, what I was going to say was like, uh, I was in LA at the time too. And the craziest part about that time was going to the supermarket and all the shelves were cleared out. There was, it was just felt like an apocalypse. There was no bread. There was no food. There was no pasta. Um, yeah. Anyways, side tangent. Other than, no, but that's, but it brings me back to the, one of the things you had mentioned was, you know, we talked about Tylenol. Were there access to any other medications at the time? And like, if someone was really sick, I mean, I actually, you know, interestingly, I, I did my two months of psychiatry in medical school in the jail. It was a very interesting experience. So I got to see some of the more medical ward stuff, some of the medicine that's uh, applied in, in jail. But what were the, if someone was really sick, were they able to be transferred to a medical unit at all? Or because I've taken care of patients in the hospital who come from jail from to the hospital, but it seems like not everyone's having that experience. What What is that like? How sick does someone have to be? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I guess, I guess you have to be about as sick as you are during the phase between uh, shitting yourself and dying because- yeah. They missed that phase for that guy. And I like everything else in the system, it's just very capricious, right? So it's uh, the some some people are treated a certain way. Some people are treated another way, not for any other reason other than they had the CO, the correctional officer that gave them the attention at the right time. And that's, and that's it. Hmm. Um, but it needs, it needs to be pretty bad. I mean, they need to be really sick. And uh, there were a couple guys that did get prescribed oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, but, but that was at a, a minimum restricted facility. So I don't know what the higher facilities, if they were getting that kind of treatment or not, because during this whole process, I moved from a medium down to a minimum restricted for a couple of years before I went to, uh, to a minimum camp. So uh, as you go lower in custody, you have access to, to uh, a little bit better of a, of a lifestyle. What advantages do you get when you go from a medium to sort of a minimum? Sure. Yeah. So, so at a medium, you, uh, for example, we didn't have, we didn't have TVs in our room. Uh, you had to watch them in the, uh, in the main area. We didn't have coffee pots. We didn't have, I know you're thinking poor babies, right? Uh, we didn't have coffee pots. Um, but when we got, when I got down to minimum, we could buy our own, uh, Nintendos. We could buy our own playstations. I mean, mm. so you, you have guys that, that are sitting there just playing video games all day. I bought one, but I mean, I, I'm not a gamer. I've never mm-hmm. been one, but uh, they allow you to buy uh, access to certain weight lifting equipment, stuff like that. Like you can buy belts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So if you're into that and at a lower facility, the weights are not tethered to the machines. Mm-hmm. You're, you're able to use free weights and, and dumbbells and things like that. And what was, what was the camp like that? even more so yeah yeah so the minimum camp um they all have they all have tracks so the the min, the, the medium did not but a minimum restricted did have a track and i got really into running that was a big part of my mental health was 
I would wake up very early, usually around four, four thirty, which I'm still doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard habits of break, but and I would sit there and I would read, and I would think of an idea or, uh, or maybe a phrase or something that I would want to commit to memory. And during my runs, I would recite it, and I would oh. just kind of use it as kind of a, mon- a mantra to motivate me. And 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 uh, and that is how I passed a lot of my time, and it was a great way to start the day. What did you do in terms of mental health? I know you exercise, it sounds like the whole way through. Yeah. When you didn't have quite the same access, what were you doing to maintain some sense of mental health? So my wonderful wife, the very first thing that she bought me was a gratitude journal. And she said, I want, uh, I want you to promise me one thing and that's it. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, that you will write in this gratitude journal every single day that you are in prison until we're together again. Um, and there are three, there are three lines, right? And and I finished that quickly and I moved on to just no, normal notebook paper, but I did a, a, my gratitude journal every single day that I was down and uh, that saved my life. I mean, that did everything for me. I know that's, it, it's trite. Everyone's talking about gratitude, but it, that's because it's real. Um, you can't be angry and grateful at the same time. You can't be sad and grateful at the same time. You can't um, be envious and grateful at the same time. They just can't exist. So it's a superpower. If you can master your gratitude muscle, then then you win. So that was that was the main thing. Um, There's other things. I mean, human connections, right? Forming a community inside prison and then maintaining relationships outside of prison. That, that's a big part of it too. Without that, I think people, there's something missing. There's a lot of guys that don't have that. Um, progress, making progress every day towards a goal, um, whether that's reading books and and uh, learning a language, whether that's getting stronger, getting faster, that's another way. And uh, yeah, just those are probably the main ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds like you have to be really goal. You have to, you have to be self-driven, it sounds like. I mean, everything is sort of, timed out and you've talked about this on your your TikTok how you can become institutionalized after not being there that long uh and a lot of your day gets taken care of for you but there's all this space in the between the moment you wake up and the moment you go to sleep that is in your head and you need to find ways to 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 make that work did were there any educational or rehabilitation programs that you took part in were they any good from what you could tell Sure. So, so I, I was a para pro for part of my time where I would, uh, I would teach other inmates how to read. So I, I got a lot of value out of that. Um, a lot for a lot of the same reasons that we talked about. I mean, did, did you know that, that, that this whole world existed before you went to prison and that helped to remind me that you'd never know that these guys didn't know how to read mm-hmm. until you sat there with them and, and helped coach them through it. So, so I did do that, but I, I also took all the, the other classes. I, I, I was doing everything that I could to uh, look good on paper, to get out as quickly as possible, like everyone should be doing when they're in there. So I took cognitive uh, courses on everything. I mean, I've never had a drug problem, but I took those classes. I took parenting classes. I took everything and it's, you know, it's a, it's a good business for some, for someone to create these classes, but you only get out of it what you put into it. And, uh, very rarely do you see people really putting a lot of effort into it. How do these classes work? Is it like an online class or did they bring a guest lecturer in or something? How, how does it work? Yeah. So, so, uh, we, we don't have access to computers. Um, they don't, they don't let us do that. Uh, unless we're in, in a certain center and then we only have access to word where we can type, which is really nice. If you're used to typing and you haven't for years, it's nice to do that. Uh, but no, the classes are usually out of workbooks and, uh, and you have, you have a facilitator, which works for the, for the jail or excuse me, works for the prison that will facilitate the class. So for example, there you have the seven habits of highly effective people is a, a class that, that I took. Um, I, you know, I read that book you know, years and years ago and, and good content, my instructor, you know, not, not someone that I could really aspire to, you want to, you want to aspire to be like the person that's teaching you the, these lessons. Right. Yeah. And so 
it's, it's hard to take it from someone that you don't really respect. Yeah. Sure. You, you mentioned also that um, you were helping other inmates uh, learn to read. Um, so that's a very noble thing to be doing while you're, you're, you're in, uh, yeah, doing your time. Uh, one of the questions I had was, was there anyone that you ended up becoming friends with that you never would have expected to? And what did you learn about them or from them? Yeah. You know, absolutely. And, and that, what a, what a neat thing um, to, to be able to, uh, and, and, you know, I text very regularly with, with, uh, with a few of them that have been out before me and that have gotten out since I've been out for four months and a couple of people were kind of on the same track as me, but uh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you meet all kinds of people from all walks of life. And some of them have never had a real job because they went right into a life of crime, but they're good people. And they have a conscience. They're not, they're not just these evil people, um, but they've made the wrong choices, you know? Cool. So getting back a little bit to some of the, the nutritional stuff that you talked about before, I know you, you did different diet, you did the kosher diet to get veggies and stuff. Like, did you ha talk a little bit about what options were available to you in terms of trying to maintain like a normal or somewhat healthy diet we, we see the movies where they're just like putting slop onto like a tray yeah. and it looks terrible and it's all like gray. Is it quite that? I mean, I've actually, like I said, I, I've worked in a jail and I've seen the food there. So I, I have a sense of it there. Uh, I haven't worked in a prison though. So I don't know. Well, what's it like over there? So generally speaking, the food in prison is better than the food in jail. I had a very limited stint in jail because I was out on bond most of the time, but that, that was just awful. Uh, the prison food is better. It's not, it's not good. Um, and it's very hard to maintain your macros. If you're, if you, if you care about, about, you know, your, the composition of what you're eating and, and mm -hmm. your body composition, you want to get the most out of your workouts, things like that. So I was, again, I was fortunate. Um, I supplemented my diet with canteen a lot. So mm -hmm. I bought, it's not delicious, but it served its purpose. I, I bought mackerel. I was eating um, this. I was eating mackerel for uh, twice a day. A big thing of it is 75 grams of protein per uh, mackerel thing. And I would supplement it with the vegetables that I got from the lunches. So I'd go to every meal and I would eat the eggs at breakfast if there were eggs. Um, and I would eat the vegetables and, and I would trade all my desserts to everybody else so that I could get their vegetables, which everybody was like, you, you're going to give me your cake so that I could, just so I can give you these broccoli stocks. And I'd say, yes, please. And so, you know, you don't get many of the florets, the broccoli, mm -hmm. I don't know where to get this, this stuff, but it's all, it's all stocks, <laughs> uh, but I eat all that. And, and so you can do it, but it takes, like you said, you have to really prioritize these things and set up systems yeah. and you buy other people's chicken on chicken day. And, you know, you, you, you have to work it. What about dental stuff? Uh, what access to any dental care did you get? What happens if you develop like a, uh, a cavity? So, so you were supposed to have access to a cleaning once every 12 months. That's that's, and they say that they give you access to that, right. That's in their policies. You cannot get in to, hmm get it done. I, I am, I used to go every four months for, for my teeth. Um, just because I, I'm really, uh, I really care about my teeth. Uh, you need them for your whole life. So, but then I, I go to prison and I'm, and I'm trying to get in, I'm trying to get in. I'm aggressive, right. Trying to get these appointments. I got one appointment in the five years that I was, that I was down and it took me two years to get that first appointment. Wow. And I never was able to get back in to do it. And let, let's be honest. I know the, my appointment was right after COVID. He, he couldn't use any, any tools. So it really was just someone helped me brush a little bit. And he, he did, he did grab uh, and a little bit of plaque from behind my, my front teeth. It was not a cleaning. Let's be, yeah, yeah. it was, it was kind of a perfunctory sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what happens if someone has a cavity, they just have to have it like pulled. What do they do? They, they, they just yank the tooth, man. They either, you live with the pain or if you, if it's unbearable, there are only extractions and that's, and, and it's, and it's hard to get in for the extractions. So you can be, you can be suffering for weeks or months with a dental issue, just popping as much uh, Tylenol, uh, the generic form of Tylenol as you can 
to try to kill that pain. But you see guys that are just laid up. Their their lights are off in their room and their face is covered because their teeth hurt so bad. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. No, oh, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, are people putting up uh, like a priority on their toothbrushing or they're brushing their teeth and managing their, their teeth? Or is it kind of just like it is out here? Some people care, some people don't. So what what's you fall into these patterns and you have a lot of free time, right? So people people tend to take pretty good care of their grooming. I mean, in in prison for the most part, surprisingly, right? You wouldn't think so. But I mean, all you have is yourself and a few personal items. So most people take pretty good care of their room, which is just a, you know, a, a 10 by 10 or a 10 by eight, whatever it is, uh, and that you're sharing with someone. So they're usually spotless and they do the same with, with, you know, their, their, uh, physical appearance. They'll get haircuts. A lot of, a lot of guys will get haircuts every week, just trims because that's part of like the social thing too. Like huh. they'll have everybody cut their hair and, you know, it's. What else is there to do? I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure I would grow out a big beard and my hair would grow long. I don't some guys know. Do that. That probably yeah, would be. Did, did you ever feel that? Um, actually, let me ask you this. Does it ever kind of bother you, the kind of morbid curiosity that like people like us have about this? Like we, we want to like, like, is it ever sort of like weird to you? Like, you know, like that people want to hear all these things? So no, because... See, TikTok didn't exist when I went to prison. That came afterwards, right? So, so I had, I guess I could have looked up some stuff, but I didn't feel like I really, uh, I couldn't really relate to the people that I saw that would go to prison because I, I was prejudging the people that went to prison, right? Mm -hmm. People like, like I would think people like me don't go to prison, and so I would think, well, my experience is going to be different. So I, that's that's why what I'm doing is for me, so both therapeutic for me, because I'm able to share and it helps me to talk through things. But also I think I know because I get messages all the time from people that say, well, I'm going through this. I just got charged. I'm, I'm turning myself in, uh, to do X number of years, things like that. And they, they say, thank you because there's this, there's this, uh, idea of prison as this dark hole. And yes, it can be that, but there's also joy and there's laughter and there's, there's fun too, right? Life goes on. And I think it's important that people see both of those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, you know, I have to say it's, you know, talking to you, watching your TikTok videos and talking to you. I mean, you, like I mentioned before, you, when we have all of us, a vision of someone who's in prison, you usually don't fit it. Um, you know, you, you, you sound like the, like the the manager that we might have like you know in our in our office you know did when you were there were you able to be who you are here or did you kind of have to code switch a little bit did you posture a little bit did you change did did you like it, it enact the the vernacular of the prison where you so yeah that, that's a, it's a really really good question in fact when i first went in uh they they I was in 12 man cell. It was a private prison. It was a nightmare, right? So, um, but it was basically story time at night. People would tell their stories and, and stuff like that. And I heard these guys after I was, I, I, I was talking, they said, listen to how he talks, you know? And, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm speaking normally, but you do. Oh you my do, gosh. You said, oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Right. <laughs> Right. And so, and so, yes. So the answer is yes. Uh, you start to kind of absorb the vernacular of your surroundings, but I never tried to be anybody other than who I, who I was. And people would come to me and we talk through things and I learned from them. They learned from me. It was a, it was a very mutually beneficial experience because they got to learn from, from me, uh, my, my experience and they lived the life that I, I couldn't even imagine. And and they taught me that, that you can go through that and still survive too. So it was neat actually. How was the, you were there for how long again? Five years? Uh, I was in prison for five years. Yeah. Um, so you talked about some of the technology sort of changes. What, what else was sort of hard to adjust to, if anything, when you came back out? Yeah. Uh, just getting, just getting into my, 
just getting into my emails and, uh, and, and all the passwords and, you know, it's hard enough to log in to, to, oh, what a nightmare trying to get all my old financial account stuff and statements and things like that, because I always took care of everything. My wife never took care of anything when I was, when I was out. And when I, when I went in, she had to step up and start managing all of that. And, uh, and so coming back out, everything was, was in disarray. She did a good job. Um, but we didn't have a lot of resources anymore. We, we went from, we went from having a lot of resources and having a wonderful life to, to having nothing. So mm-hmm. it's just, we, we lost everything during this process and we're, and we're rebuilding it. But during that, you know, you lose homes and you lose vehicles and you lose relationships that were based on, on things that really don't matter. You know, you, you lose a lot, but in the process of losing all those things, when everything falls away, you're left with the good stuff, the, mm-hmm. the stuff that actually matters. So that's where we're at. Well, you mentioned that you have that support, the family support, friends that love, but do you feel, have you noticed a change in sort of the dynamics with certain people that you knew beforehand do, or when people find out that you, uh, you know, are convicted felon, do they treat you differently, noticeably, like in, oh, in, in which ways? Are yeah. are very. It's interesting because the people that you think would would be there for you through thick and thin, right? I mean, going on family trips together. I mean, you're you're their you're their godparent, sort of thing. When your your name gets in the papers and it's associated with with things true or not. Um, some of those fall away and that happened to us. And it was very, it was heartbreaking, right? It was heartbreaking. And at the, but the same token, you have people that are kind of on the, on the fringes of your social network that step up and they become the most generous, wonderful people. Um, some people that, uh, really showed themselves to my, to my wife and to my kids. They, they took, they, they would take them in on holidays and, and, uh, and, you know, make family meals and welcome, welcome them in, even though, of course, we, we had, we, we weren't on the street. I mean, they, we had, a, had a home, but they, my, my, my wife felt alone. I mean, we had this wonderful community around us and then you ha- you're marred with this, um, this label, right. And you're, you're now the wife of a convicted felon, uh, of, a, of a racketeer. Right. And so, people want to distance themselves from that. I mean, it must be pervasive. What I mean is, you know, you're experiencing all these daily interactions with people and all of it is colored, I imagine, by that fact. And all of it, for some people, must be less obvious and more obvious than other people. That, that's got to be frustrating. How do you manage that? How do you not become bitter about that sort of thing? I, I really embrace it because I was that guy. I, I try to, I try to zoom out and look down on me and on the people that I interact with. And they're speaking from a place that I've been without the experiences that I've had. And so I don't blame them. I don't, I totally get it. And I wish that, I wish that they, that they, we're able to come to the realization that I've come to without the pain that I've had to go through, but I totally understand it. And I, and even the people that, that have left, I, I remember the good times that I have with those people. I don't hate any of those people. I, I don't hate anybody. I don't even hate the people that, 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 uh, that lied and, and, and said things that weren't true that sent me to prison to begin with. I don't because I get that everybody is making the decisions that they think that are right for themselves at the time that they're making those decisions and I believe that people are generally good. So, well, that seems like a pretty good place to to end this episode. What uh, what can we plug for you? Oh, just you know, uh, felon focus. Uh, there's some exciting stuff that's coming on. Uh, I'm going to be turning it into a nonprofit. That's coming down. I, I haven't announced that anywhere. So, I'm going to help uh, people that are uh, felons get back on their feet. Help them find employment. And uh, and just help guide them through the hardest phase, which is reentry. Yeah, for thank you so much for for joining us, Alan. Um, any closing thoughts from you or things you want to plug? 
Yeah. I guess uh, I can you can put it on my Instagram this time. <laughs> you can follow me at iAllen underscore Let's. And it was a pleasure talking to you today, uh, Christopher, and learning about what you're doing uh, going forward and giving back to the community that you were working with uh, while you were in prison. So thank you for that. Thank you, Alan. My pleasure. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah. Hey, thank you. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.